Let's pray. Father, we do ask, we do ask that you would speak to us this morning through the power of your word. Lord, help us to cherish and treasure your word and to study it for ourselves and to read it and to pour it into our hearts and minds on a, on a regular basis, a daily basis. God, I pray that you would help us to honor your word in our own lives, that we would obey it. And God, we pray for your teaching, your instructing, your opening of our spiritual eyes to see and understand these truths this morning, to be challenged by them, to walk in obedience to these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your copy of God's Word, would you, and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Last week we looked at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. We're going to pick up in verse 15 this morning. We noted last week in verse 14 where we saw Paul's point to Timothy and to the church that God's children must take refuge from error in the truths of God's Word. We take refuge, we are guarded from error by pursuing the truth of God's Word. And this is, I want to challenge you because this is what we're talking about. This is more than just a passing knowledge of God's Word that's needed here. This is more than just what we might call a sermon a week or a Sunday school lesson here or there. Uh, We need a regular intake of God's Word to equip us and to guard our hearts and lives from false teaching because false teaching is prevalent and it's it's, um, continually growing and expanding. We've talked about this as as there are these these old mistruths and continually there are these new things that continue to be brought and challenged in, in in the face of the church. The church must deal with these challenges to the truth. And it seems like there's just one old truth piled on top of a new, tr- new, a new mistruth. And, um, we need to guard ourselves against that because, uh, if we aren't diligent with the word, we can easily be led astray. A Spurgeon once said, beware, error often rides to its deadly work on the back of truth. It's one of the reasons we need to be in the truth on a regular basis and not just from Sunday to Sunday, so to speak. We need a daily doses of God's Word because a little bit of truth can be dangerous at times. You might have just a little bit of truth and only know a little bit of truth and and someone uses a little bit of that truth to begin to lead you astray from the, the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we need to be continually learning God's Word and daily living in light of the truth of God's Word and not be content with just a sermon a week. I hope that you're not content to just hear the Scriptures preached a sermon or two a week. I hope that you go home and you hunger and thirst for God's Word and you open the Scriptures for yourselves. And you learn to teach yourselves the Word. We need to learn to feed ourselves the truth of Scriptures. And we pick up in verse 15, continuing the challenge Paul gave to Timothy this morning and to continue in what he had learned. But I'm going to start with verse 14 so that the the flow is not broken here. Look at verse 14. Paul writes to Timothy, we looked at this last week, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to note here in verse 15 that that Timothy 
had been taught the sacred writings, and he had been taught the sacred writings from childhood. Greek-speaking Jews often referred to, and we're talking about the sacred writings here, Greek-speaking Jews often referred to the Old Testament as the sacred writings. Sacred meaning that which is holy or hallowed or consecrated, and, and God's Word is holy and hallowed and consecrated, isn't it? And so Paul reminds Timothy, you've been taught from the very beginning of your life, from the earliest days of your life, the sacred writings, the Old Testament. So Timothy had been taught, and had been taught well, had been taught from the earliest days. Note that that, that is, um, it's interesting here that, he, that Timothy was acquainted with or taught the Scriptures, Paul says, from childhood. And this is, and what he means here, this is early childhood. In the original language, it literally means from, from the time of being a babe or an infant. And so it was from the very earliest stages of childhood that Timothy had been taught the sacred writings of the Old Testament. It was, it was in fact customary for Jewish families to teach their children God's law at a very early age, and they were encouraged to commit much of it to memory, as much of it as they could. And apparently it was through the testimony of his mother and grandmother that Timothy had been brought to faith. We saw it when we studied back in the beginning of uh, 2 Timothy in chapter 1, verse 5, where, where Paul says to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So it was in the lives of his mother, it was in the lives of Timothy's mother and his grandmother that, that Timothy had first seen that it's the power of the gospel that produces genuine godliness. I have some questions for you this morning as I'm thinking about this. I, I can't help but think about the, the, the point that Paul makes here in, in this verse 15 and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings and, and how that really means from, from being very, a very small child, even an infant, a babe. I have some questions about about whether it's worth it or not to, to teach very small children the truths of Scriptures. Let me ask you some questions and don't answer. Just think about these questions with me. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to read to babies and small children the Scriptures? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to make the effort to do that, to read to small babies and small children, even, even small children who may not even understand the words that you're sharing with them? Is it worth it? Let me ask you another question. Is it worth the effort, beginning with the youngest of children, to teach them the, the basics the basic elemental doctrines of God's Word, to teach them the, the basic truths of God's Word, is it worth it? Is it worth it to give a child a Bible before he is even able to, to read it for himself and to help him turn to the passages in that Bible even though they can't recognize the words for themselves? Is it, is it worth the, the effort? Is it, is it of any value to help children memorize passages of Scripture that they might, might not even fully comprehend for some time? Is it of any value to teach children to memorize passages that they don't get just yet? Is it worth it to have a child, when they do begin to read, to start reading and, and sounding out words in the Holy Scriptures for themselves, is it worth it to, to give them a Bible and buy one of their own and show them how to turn to the Scriptures themselves and begin to recognize words themselves? Is it worth all the work and hassle and trouble of that to, to teach a, a, a young child who, who may not even be able to recognize words yet and as they begin to recognize words to get them to read the, the Scriptures? Well, I have a feeling you probably know what I'm going to say, right? 
I'm going to say, absolutely, it's worth it. Absolutely, it's worth it. This is an important issue for us. It's an important issue for me. Um, not just because I have children for whom I'm responsible to teach God's Word. This is an important issue for us as a church, and it's important to me because, well, especially to me as a pastor, as a preacher, as a teacher of God's Word, it's my heart's desire to help parents learn to teach their children. I want parents everywhere to know that they can teach their children the, the simple, basic, elemental truths of doctrine from God's Word. They, they must, and they can. It's my desire to see... Christian young people and teens who've, who've been taught the Scriptures, who've fallen in love with God's Word, who love God's Word and read it for themselves and, and begin setting an example for their siblings and, and their friends in obedience to God's Word. It's also my desire to see Christian adults in God's church who love and revere and hold dear to their very lives the truths of God's Word and live an example in obedience to God's Word for those who come after them Yes, it is very important that we all learn God's Word. It is very important that we all learn God's Word. We dare not overlook how helpful it can be to start early. We must all learn from God's Word. And you hear me almost every Sunday challenging you, adults and young people alike, to get into God's Word and to study it for yourselves. But I tell you, we dare not overlook an opportunity to bring young people into the Scriptures at an early age and to get a very early start. The importance of parents being diligent to assure that from childhood their children know the Scriptures has been well illustrated like this. Anything taken when it is young, is more easily wrought upon. A twig is easily bent. A disease taken in the beginning is easily cured when everything by delay grows worse. When the fingers are grown stiff, it is ill learning to play on the lute. An old disease is hardly cured. The longer a tree grows, the harder it is to pull up. The further a nail is driven, the harder it is to pull it out again. The acting of sin strengthens the habit, and when sin has become habitual, natural, and customary, it is hardly cured. Now, parents have a very special opportunity to begin very, very early equipping their children with the necessary truths of Scripture to help them overcome sin and, and deal with temptation. Some time ago, in the, in the Daily Bread, there was shared the story of J. Stephen Kahn, who, as a teenager, began to sense God's calling him to be a preacher, but he, he felt he was at a disadvantage. As the story goes, because he had been saved when he was seven years old, he, he would never be able to hold an audience spellbound with stories of a wicked past. <laughs> and so he asked God for permission to backslide just long enough to get some experiences in life of, of sin to enhance his preaching later on. Deep within, he knew that God would not answer such a request, so he decided just to, and I love this statement, just to preach the Bible without a dramatic testimony. And there's nothing wrong with just preaching the Bible, let me tell you. Sometime later, Khan wrote, For the past 11 years I have been pastoring a church, I realize now what a great testimony I really have. God not only has the power to deliver from sin, He has the even greater power to keep from sin. God not only saved my soul, He saved my entire life. 
Now, I read something like that, and we understand, don't we, that we can't keep our children from making sinful choices in life. We can't force our children not to make sinful choices later in life. But we dare not neglect to begin very early to prepare them for the challenges that they're going to face as Satan tempts them with the things of this world that will lead to lives of shame, lead to lives of ruin if they succumb to them. So I want you to notice that Paul reminds Timothy here in verse 15 that he points to this critical issue that the sacred writings... God's Word is able, he says, look at the passage with me in verse 15. The sacred writings, we're talking about God's Word, is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now a moment ago, as I was talking about how important it is to start early teaching young people the truths of Scriptures, you may have been thinking something like this. But what if I've not learned the Scriptures from childhood? Is it too late for me? Absolutely not. And there, and here too in verse 15 is why it's so important to begin, we see a reason why it ought, we ought to begin teaching our children at the very earliest of days, but also there's a precious reminder here that it's not too late for you. Maybe you didn't begin learning the truths of scriptures at a very young age, but it's not too late for you. Because the sacred writings, God's word is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Why is it so important that we all learn the Scriptures? Think about it with me. Why is it so important that we all learn the Scriptures? Why is it so critical that we all share these truths that we we learn with, with those who need Christ, with unbelievers? Why is it so important? Well, because the Scriptures are that which we see here in verse 15, that which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why God's Word is so critical. That's why we should never depart from God's Word As a church and as God's people, we should never quit taking in the truths of God's Word because they're they're able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, an understanding of God's Word leads to faith in Jesus Christ. An understanding of the truths of Scriptures and believing in them leads to faith in Jesus Christ. How does that happen? How does the Scripture lead to understanding, which leads to faith In Jesus Christ, how does that happen? How does learning the truths of God's Word make one wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? I want you to think with me for a moment about this faith in Christ Jesus as we see here in verse 15. And now from how from childhood, Paul says, Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through what? Through, Through faith in Christ Jesus. Think about what this is, this faith in Christ Jesus. And, and I think the way that um, Vine's Expository Dictionary puts it is a very instructive and helpful way. So I'm going to share the three points that, that Vine shares about faith here, helping us understand what genuine faith is and genuine faith that results in true salvation is. According to Vine's, faith that leads to salvation is going to include at least three elements. And let me, let me share these three elements with you. The first is this. It's a firm conviction producing a full acknowledgement of God's revelation or truth. Genuine faith that results in true salvation includes this element. A firm conviction producing a full acknowledgement of God's revelation or truth. And in other words, 
Faith that leads to salvation is evidenced in a conviction brought about by the truth of Scripture. You understand how key and how important it is to get the Scriptures in, especially to share the Scriptures with unbelievers who you're trying to point to Christ, to share the God's Word with them. Faith that leads to salvation is evidenced in a conviction brought about by the truths of Scriptures. For example, a person comes to the understanding that they are sinners. How did they do that? How did they come to an understanding that they're a sinner in need of forgiveness? They come to the understanding that they need to be forgiven, and that forgiveness is only found through faith in Christ Jesus. They do so because of passages like, well, passages we know so well, like Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, and other passages, right? God's Word instructs them and begins to convict them that they need to confess their sin and repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Romans 3.23 and 6.23 teaches us that, that all have sinned and we, and we cannot please God in our own sinful, unforgiven state. And so since we're deserving of death, we've got to repent. We must, to turn, we must turn to Christ in repentance and faith. And instead of death, we, we can enjoy eternal life in Christ Jesus. So, we need to understand that genuine faith that results in true salvation includes this element, a firm conviction producing a full acknowledgement of God's revelation or truth. Secondly, this faith that we're talking about, faith that leads to true salvation also includes the element of a, of a personal surrender to Christ. A personal surrender to Christ. We learn from John chapter 1 and verse 12 that to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now, faith that, that leads to salvation causes a person to surrender to Christ. Faith that leads to salvation causes a person to surrender to Christ in, in repentance for their sin and believing in Christ Jesus for saving from, from the punishment for their sin. And that comes because of the teaching, the instructing that the Word will do in their hearts. Thirdly, a faith that leads to true salvation leads to a conduct inspired by that surrender to Christ. A conduct inspired by their surrender to Christ. In other words, faith proves itself by a life that is changing toward Christ-likeness. Faith proves itself. A genuine faith that leads to a real salvation experience will, will, will begin to draw a person into a life that is changed because of that conviction. It proves itself by a life that is changing toward Christ-likeness. Now, a basic understanding of the Word of God is so absolutely necessary for this. A basic understanding of the Word of God is, is necessary for each of those three elements of faith that leads to salvation. Now, theologian Lewis Burkhoff defines genuine faith in much the same way, noting that it includes an intellectual element. This is faith that leads to salvation. It includes an intellectual element, which is a positive recognition of the truth. Note the truth. You have to get the truth in so that a person will come to an understanding of the truth so that they'll, they'll hear it, they'll understand it, they'll be convicted in their sin, an emotional element which includes a deep conviction of the truth. Remember, you've got to get the truth to be convicted of your sin. And a deep conviction of the truth and a volitional element that, in, that involves a personal trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, including a surrender to Christ. 
let me let me read to you what Wayne Grudem says about faith. He defines saving faith like this. Saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life with God. This definition emphasizes that saving faith is not just a belief in facts, but personal trust in Jesus to save me. The definition emphasizes personal trust in Christ, not just belief in facts about Christ. Because saving faith in Scripture involves this personal trust. The word trust is probably a better word to use in contemporary culture than the word faith or belief. The reason is that we can believe something to be true with no personal commitment or dependence involved in it. And so I think his statement is helpful here because this is what we're seeing in verse 15. Look at verse 15 again. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What about these sacred writings is special? What's so special is that they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And without the power of the Word, faith is impossible because that, that faith must be informed. Why is it so important that we learn the Scriptures ourselves? Why is it so important that we teach the Scriptures to our children and preach the Scriptures in our churches and share the Scriptures with unbelievers? Why is it so important? Because the Scriptures are powerful to change an unbelieving heart into a believing heart. It's important because a true understanding of the Scriptures, the truths that we see in God's Word, makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. A true understanding of the Scriptures leads to life-saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so I challenge you, God's people, love God's Word. Saturate your heart and soul with God's Word. Learn the truths, the basic doctrines of God's Word. Make them your own so that they, they ooze from you when someone talks about the things of the Lord, you have an opportunity to share the Gospel with them that's yours. Because the Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Why should we acquaint ourselves with the Word of God? Why should we become so familiar with the Word of God that we can, we can share the truths of Scriptures with others? Not just to guard our own hearts and minds from error, which is what we've been talking about here in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Not, not just to guard our hearts and minds, not just to guard God's church and our families from, from error that creeps in, but to save your soul. You need to acquaint yourself with the Word so that you will be wise for salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should you teach the Word to your children at an early age and not stop teaching them the sacred writings until they've left home? And I would suggest you don't even quit then because your very life ought to teach them as they grow up, become adults and leave and begin families of their own. They ought to be able to look at your life and say, look at that, mom, dad, still carrying on honoring and glorifying God, obedient to the Scriptures, still learning, still growing, still searching the truth. 
You continue to teach even though your children leave. Why should we teach the Scriptures to our young people? Why should we help them learn the basic doctrines of God's Word and help them believe in them? So that they might come to an understanding of the truth that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, right? So that they might come to an understanding of the truth. So that they might come to trust Christ because they believe in the Word that convinces them of their sin and they need to repent of their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they, they carry those truths to others. Why should we never stop learning the truth and holding fast to what we've learned? Why as a church do we make the teaching and the preaching of God's Word so important, such a central thing to, to everything that we do? So that we might be daily turning from sin and daily turning toward the living God. Living like God's children so that we might be daily influenced by God's Word, so that we turn from sin and we repent of sin in our lives and we're corrected when we make mistakes and when we sin and when we turn from the Word, we're corrected because the truths of Scripture are able to make us wise for salvation and for a not-so-small reason, another not-so-small reason, so that we might be able to be well-equipped to share these truths with unbelievers. In your neighborhood contains unbelievers. Young people, you're in school now this fall, like it or not, and your classroom contains unbelievers. You have friends and acquaintances and you have family members who are unbelievers and they need to know the Scriptures. They need to be turned to Christ with the powerful truths of God's Word that will convince them that they're sinners in need of a Savior and how wonderful it is to know that we have the power of the Word to encourage our own lives to challenge us when we sin, to keep us walking in that narrow way, to keep us walking in a way that's Christ-honoring, and how wonderful it is to know, as we see in verse 15, and how from childhood, as, as Paul challenged Timothy, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is necessary for salvation. And the Word is necessary for faith. You get that? The Word is necessary. We need the Word. We need to preach the Word. We need to live the Word. Let it change you. Let it make you more and more Christ-like. Not so that we can walk around and say, look at how good I am. Look at how holier than thou I am. No, no. To point to Christ. To point to God's Word. So that the Word will make people wise to salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, how, how good and precious it is that we are able to hold Your Word in our hands and to open it before our eyes and our hearts and even our ears. We can listen to it and we can read it to one another and we can find translations that help us understand it more easily. God, I pray, help us to love the Scriptures. Help us to be challenged to teach our young people, to teach them beginning at a very young age, but even if we haven't begun, to begin. To challenge them with the basic truths of Scriptures, to take them to the Bible. And God, I pray that each adult in this room, each young person who can read would, would feel the conviction of Your Spirit on their hearts to, to open the Bible for themselves, to read it for themselves. Lord, help us each one to learn from Your Word. 
so that we might be corrected as we sin, that we might be admonished and and set straight so that our thinking will be shaped by Your Word, not by this world. God, help us as a church to honor Your Word, to continue to preach and teach the Word, whether it's in our in our Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday times of study, whether it's in our Sunday school hour, God, I pray, help each person who opens Your Word to instruct to be faithful students of Your Word. Help each person who opens the Word to be instructed to be a faithful student of Your Word. God, that we might be informed, instructed, that we might have our spiritual eyes open, that those who have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ might have their spiritual eyes awakened and open to the truth that they're sinners in need of repentance and forgiveness, and that only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we, each believer, may we each carry out the, the work that You've given us because we know the Word, we love the Word, and we can speak the truths of Scriptures to people who desperately need to hear them. For God's glory, for Your glory, Lord, help us to honor You in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.